though in this episode, I'm talking to Jordan Hansen. And he's, like me, very much interested in web scraping. So we naturally had a lot to talk about everything related to web scraping. Jordan runs an agency called Cobalt Intelligence. He sells all kinds of cool data products. And he has a blog and a YouTube channel where he's sharing many of his tricks. We, of course, also brainstormed all kinds of ideas related and to web scraping and also selling data products. And yeah, I think the conversation was great and I hope you enjoy it as well. Are we going to introduce or how does this work? <laughs> Do whatever you like. Anyway, we we're talking about Jungle Scout. And I just couldn't believe, like I did Amazon selling and it was pretty good for a couple of years. And I, I made some easy passive, I say passive, right? I had to order product, but it wasn't very difficult. I'd order the product from China. It would arrive in the US and then I'd have someone to ship it right to the fulfillment centers. And it... It made me okay money pretty well for a couple of years, but as you know, it just got harder and harder with reviews. Anyway, but Jungle Scout, I just I just felt like Amazon was getting very saturated, the marketplace. And I don't know if you've sold on Amazon at all. Have you sold on Amazon at all? No, no, never. But but you've heard about selling on Amazon for years, probably, right? Of course. Yeah, exactly. Of course. And so it kind of felt like it was saturated. So the fact that Jungle Scout, I saw Jungle Scout when I used it, and I subscribed, I paid for it, and it was good. But I saw it as a tool that was like a short-lived thing that kind of a fad, right? With the Amazon selling fad. So the fact that they raised 110 million means, I don't know what it means. Are people, <laughs> they that, make, I, they're making a lot of money, but are that many people still selling on Amazon? Like if you, are you interested in selling on Amazon right now? I'm not. Uh, yeah, me either. I'm not either. I'm just wondering who is selling. And yeah, but Amazon someone, someone must, must, must be selling, right? There's, there's still Someone stuff on Amazon <laughs> and Amazon is still going strong. It's growing like crazy still. And yeah. I think, yeah, it's competent, uh, but, but at the same time, like the, the pie got bigger, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder what they're doing. Like, how are they making it, To me, it just sounds terrible. Like to try to sell on Amazon again, that sounds like a nightmare. What did you sell on Amazon? I sold pasta makers. So I don't know. I didn't even know what they were before, but... <laughs> I use something like Jungle Scout, I think, or I can't remember. Unicorn Smasher, I think, was the other tool. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it was a competitor of Jungle Scouts. And so I used both of them. But it was like a little thing where you kind of get, you make your dough and then you put it in there and you kind of rotate it and it, and it makes it into, and it did really well. The problem was it was still Chinese quality and eventually the, the reviews hurt me. Uh, the reviews got lower and lower. You know, was, you know, so I was down at like three and a half stars and once you get below four and a half stars, it, sales really start to drop off. Yeah. And it was just like, like it was very discouraging too. And you were drop shipping, right? You were not building a hyper e-commerce brand. No, I had, I did FBA, but yeah. same kind of idea, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I had Amazon, which really made it nice. Honestly, it was very, it was a very nice business for a couple of years. How much did you make <laughs> if you're willing to share? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, let's see, it was probably $10,000 in profit a year. So revenue, I think I was probably making 30% margins. So it was, you know, 30,000 revenue a year, 30 to 40,000 a year, which was okay, you know, for not doing very much. I felt good about it. It paid for a lot of fun things for me. <laughs> I didn't quit my job for it. But yeah, it was it a was side a hustle. Little, it was a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And it's funny, I, there's like a theme and all these things you listed, you are, you're a web scraper guy. You like to get data. Exactly. And like, <laughs> you're, you're also right. And this is why I listed yeah. this stuff because I thought it would be fun if we could talk about yeah. these kind of things where we have some There's definitely a theme. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a jungle, I mean, that's what Jungle Scout is, honestly. They, they kind of are. They're just, they're scraping the screen and getting different data from different points. And 
there. Yeah, it's just showing how cool it is. Uh, what did you use it for? I used it to find uh, the big problem, at least I think for most people is finding what product to sell. You have to know what product you have to sell. And so what you do is you're doing a ton of research. You're just trying to find, and it would easily like you'd search for like, I don't know, something you'd search for like kitchen goods or whatever, or just go to the kitchen goods section. And it would list out all of like, it would, it'd be a plugin even in Chrome. And it would list out all of the products and how many estimated sales they had per month, how many reviews they had, how many other sellers there were. So then you could kind of gauge competition. You know, you wanted something that didn't have like thousands of reviews as a competitor. And so that's, it kind of helped and it helped to do it a lot faster rather than having to click in to each one. Yeah. And do you know how accurate the numbers are? So you know, because eventually you, you sold your old stuff and was, were able to compare it, right? Yeah, no, it, it seemed like it was pretty close. You know, it wasn't perfect. And the thing is they had a competitor, right? They had Unicorn Smasher as well. And if you compare the numbers, they were kind of similar. So you felt somewhat confident. The, Just me, scraping each other. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, I don't, I think what they did is they would check like, quantity available and there was a ways to there was like tricks you could do to check quantity available and like check it on one day and then check it the next day and then they could do that rolling and see how many it was over a 30-day period estimated based on i don't know yeah i guess like also you can use the sales rank right it's directly right. correlated to the number mm -hmm. right because i yep. i had a little pro uh, project which was somewhat similar called gumspy which was basically jungle scout for gumroad products so digital products okay. out on gumroad and mm -hmm. the way i did it or i estimated the revenue was also by using the internal rank so if you go to gumroad they have like this discover page with the same marketplace and on there yeah it, it, it's listed in a certain order and this order is um, correlated with the number of sales and it works the mm. same way on amazon so of course this is just one factor but it's a very strong one and of course if you right. can really do this inventory if you can get your hands on inventory data that's even better but I, i'm not sure if it's public for every product right yeah yeah you're probably right it's probably only when it gets low right when it gets down to low less than 100 or something then it starts showing you're probably right it was probably more based on the rank the, the bsr right the best sellers rank or whatever it was so on gumroad it was in is an internal does that mean it wasn't publicly available or you saw it in the api how how did you find the rank there no, I uh, really just screen scraping. So really just going to the discover like page top. and right. the public the public information they have there. Yeah, just okay. standard web scraping. There's a Gumroad API, but it, it at least is a file. I know it can't be used for this kind of use oh, case. It's so funny because I did a post on web scraping and Reddit. Like I, I said, hey, I was just kind of explaining, hey, I quit my job to do web scraping. And someone, it was so funny because one of the top comments was like, People still web scrape in 2021. And I was just like, and it just shows like all this stuff is built like Jungle Scout doing really well on web scraping. Scraping B, 30,000 a month. That means a lot of people are still web scraping. And yeah. I wouldn't even say they're, they're the biggest proxy thing out there. And I think of, what was the other? Like even Plaid, you know Plaid? No, I do not. Okay, so anytime you log, I, at least in the US, it's really big. Maybe it's not as big outside the US, but if you log into like, Let's say you use some kind of personal finance software and you have to, like Mint maybe, or did they have Mint in? Uh, not as far as I know, but I know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but they have to have some kind of personal finance software, I'm guessing. Right? Yeah, sure. Where you can track your budget, whatever. Anyway, you log in there and if you want to import your bank data, because you want to import your bank data so they can see transactions and they can kind of classify what the transactions are. And so what it does, Plaid is actually, it logs in and it goes over and it logs into your bank 
via like a headless browser and enters your credentials, right? It's, it pops up. Have you ever had that where, have you ever tried to sync a bank from, from another bank? I don't know. Maybe it's easier in the, because I know you have, I think your banking system is. Better. I'm not sure. I think it's very similar. <laughs> anyway, because it's a pain sometimes you want to get, you want to have your bank data shared between the two of them. Yeah. Plaid, all it does is it really is just web scraping. Like you go into your software, your, your finance software, and you say, okay, I want to connect to uh, Wells Fargo. And it'll go over to Wells Fargo and say, okay, what's your username and password? You type it in and then it takes that and it does a headless browser and it just goes to their website and logs in with a headless browser. And that's what Plaid does. It just facilitates the connection between all these banks. And they sold for like $5 billion. Sounds kind of scary to me to give a service like this my, my credentials, right? I mean, it kind of is if you think about it, but how else? I mean, now if they don't save it, are you... Are you worried if it's just like transit, you know, they're taking it and they're just, and they don't put it in any logs. Are you, how, how else would you do it? How else do you connect them? Cause these banks are not. Only not use banks with a proper API, I guess. <laughs> that's a lot of, that's, that's not very many banks. Yeah, I, would, I guess. At least I, I wouldn't do it. it. It wouldn't, it would be too scary for me. So <laughs> you probably already done it, Jacob. You probably didn't even know. It just, they make it look so good. You probably, it was like, oh, look, look at this. It just integrates so nicely. No, I'm not but. big on, on tracking metrics and also not in terms of finance. So <laughs> I'm not into, yeah. You're not into that. Okay, well. I'm not into that. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it pops up. And, you know, the different ecosystem in EU compared to the US, I think the banking systems are slightly different how they transfer between money, but I don't know. Anyway, it, it just shows web scraping is still a big business. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, and it, um, and it makes sense because this is also what I wrote in, our, in the notes that every time a new marketplace blows up, there is a chance, an opportunity yeah. to build Jungle Scout for it, right? So mm -hmm. for Etsy, you can build the same thing for Alibaba Express, AliExpress, whatever, right? And eBay, of course, there are already many tools, but really new stuff like Gumroad. And these might be not as big businesses as Jungle Scout, but as a side project, it, it makes sense, yeah. right? And another somewhat related and really huge player in the space is AirDNA. Have you heard of it? I have not. What, what was it called? AirDNA. So they are scraping, Airbnb, oh. the thing is they are scraping Airbnb, all the Airbnb listings around the world every day. And this allows them to get some stats on occupancy data. And yeah, let's, let's people who want to buy properties get their hands on short-term rental data, which obviously is valuable, right? And yeah, they're making, they're making millions. So another web scraping business that's really huge. So are they, would their, what are they offering to the customer? They're saying, hey, like, like possible deals here or, or hey, this is like, what is their value? Yeah, you can log in, you can select any city you're interested in. And then it gives you data on how many Airbnbs are there, how often they get uh, booked, what's the average price. And so it's yeah, then of course you can- Exactly. If you are, but yeah. even if you're not interested in Airbnb, I guess the data is valuable because it also tells you something about the real estate market as a whole. Um, yeah, interesting. I guess. Yeah. Sure. That's a really interesting point because that's a. I mean, I have thought about buying an Airbnb, and I've had like it's funny. Just my my father-in-law was just over here yesterday, and he bought a house, and he was just talking about doing it for Airbnb. And I was like, huh, I wonder how the market is up there for Airbnb. Like, I literally thought that. I said, I wonder how well he can rent that. And so having that data, that would really help you before you buy a, buy a property. Hmm. Yeah, and it's obviously valuable. And the, the only thing they are struggling with is churn. So because 
um, yeah, most people um, are mm. just interested in buying an Airbnb and they do their analysis, get the data, and then of course they cancel their subscription <laughs> once they right. bought in. <laughs> it's a one-time um, thing, right? Yeah, for, for many. They have crazy high churn, but still making millions each year. So <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, you always want the monthly recurring revenue. That's like the goal because it's so much more secure. You can predict, predict it, but sometimes, I mean, like that kind of product, it sounds like it maybe it doesn't kind of make sense very much. I, I mean, for most people that have a monthly subscription to it, because you're not buying property. Yeah. Some people are, you know, they may be big investors are buying lots of property, but if it's like you and me, well, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're buying a lot of property. <laughs> I, don't. I would, it would just be one, one property for me. Yeah. So now I'm curious, you talked about Gumroad, you know, and I, I wasn't even familiar with Gumroad until like a few weeks ago, which is, it really is just to sell like eBooks, right? No, <laughs> no, but wait, there are uh, eBooks on there, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. It, okay. It's for, selling, it's, it's for selling any kind of digital product and I'm actually okay. using it for all my products and I wouldn't call them eBooks. <laughs> so now all your products, uh, like you mean like SaaS, like software products even? Yeah, exactly. Um, you can use it all. And like you can the, list SaaS on here, like like it's kind of to help you get yeah, subscriptions even. Yeah, exactly. You you can do subscriptions. It's called memberships, and they even give you the option to create license key. So you can many people are using it for Chrome extensions, for example, oh, where you okay. then enter your license key, and this way it gets activated. And once yeah, as long as your subscription is active, but I'm also using it for regular web apps. Let's call it. And the reason why I'm doing it is because they're like the middleman. You don't have to deal directly with your customers. And that's a huge value add compared to Stripe because they handle all the taxes for you. They also collect. So you list your product on here and they will do all the transaction. They, they handle all payment processing. Exactly. Everything. And you just get a payout, um, a weekly payout. And the money you get is like the money you get from a book publisher. If you're an author, right? It's an author doesn't have to deal with VAT and whatever they have in Canada, yeah. like these um, sales taxes and all complications in different countries. So they handle it all for you and you just get clean money. And of course you <laughs> have to handle an income tax, but that's about it. Right. And so that's and what you're saying is it's complicated because you're selling to multiple countries and like Canada and they all have different sales tax rules exactly and, and especially in europe handles that especially yeah. in europe wait does europe have a different like a vat in every country or is it all yes. the same in all of you every ah, country that's a nightmare yeah and yeah it's kind of crazy because every company every internet company has to take this into account right it's not just if you're having your company in europe but literally every company in the world unless it wants to exclude customers from europe Right. And so you have two, two options. Either you have to care about that or you have to exclude customers from Europe. And I mean, you can do that. And I've seen that, that people, yeah, just check your IP and then say, oh, sorry, customers from Europe are not allowed here. And yeah, yeah, also with magazines. And I've seen that a few times. And I mean, it makes sense, especially if I think the only option to do it right, if, you, if you're not using a merchant of record like Gumroad, um, is you have to pay an accountant, right? And if you're, right. I don't know, just doing your little side business, whatever, yeah. selling a little here or there, making 1K, 2K, whatever, then paying hundreds of dollars to an accountant is not a very good deal. And oh. the solution used by most startups and people is just to ignore it. So it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's and it. it's, yeah, they just risk it. And 
as far as I know, not too many people get caught, but it's a risk, obviously. It's illegal. Yeah. And I would rather pay a few percent to Gumroad. And an alternative is Paddle. They do the same. So it, they, they act as a merchant of record and you don't have to deal with these issues. So yeah, it's really cool. And they just, and they charge a percentage based on your total lifetime revenue. Now, is that based on you or is that based on your product? Um, they changed it recently. So they used to have a very simple model where you paid 8% or so of each sale. And then you could also buy a subscription to Gumroad. So like a premium account for $10 a month. And then the fee was just 3%, which is basically just the Stripe fee, right? Because they are, they yeah. are using Stripe, of course, on the, on the right. back end. They're just a wrapper around that. So, but now they changed it and it got somewhat complicated. You now pay based on your lifetime revenue and they have different tiers. Once you earn in total 10K on the platform, it gets lower and then gets lower and lower over time. Yeah, not a fan of that. Yeah, I think the, the previous, it was just simpler and made sense. I was happy to pay like $10 a month to get the 3%. So obviously yeah. that was better. And now I you need like 100K or whatever in lifetime revenue to to reach these, to uh, that percentage. And it's the problem is, so I, I wouldn't have a problem with it here, but what I'm doing is I have a different account for each product. So I don't have yeah. one big year. And the reason why I'm doing this is if you want to sell one of your products, you can't really oh, sure. do it if, if they are all under one umbrella, right? You can't really get your customers out of your account or split it up or whatever. So I have a different account for each product in case I yeah, ever so want to sell one of these. So, yeah. So lifetime revenue is now split between every single product. You have to, it's not like you can, yeah. So you could get like 5,000 on one, you know, 10,000 on another, but that's not $15,000. That's now still only 5,000 and 10,000 because you have them split. I see. So as a result, yeah. you end up paying higher fees. Exactly. It kind of sucks. But yeah, and, and there are many other things and not to like about Gumroad. <laughs> so, and there are quite a few competitors, but funnily, all of them, missed the most important point, at least in my opinion, which is the whole tax issue. <laughs> because I mean, it's yeah. very easy to build a nice looking wrapper around the Stripe API mm -hmm. and then offer a marketplace. And that's almost trivial, right? It's not too complicated. But where right. things get complicated, if you act as a merchant of record and then handle all the taxes for people, this is complex and no one is doing it as far as I know. All the competitors are just... <laughs> because obviously this is the hard part. And it's, it's hard. They're like, it's, we won't do that part. That's a hard part. But it's, yeah, at least in my opinion, the most important component. So do they provide you, like as a merchant of record, at the end of the year, do they provide you with like, hey, this is, you paid that to these, these countries. And how, how do they, as, I mean, they must provide you with documentation. Like if you ever got audited this way, you could say, hey, I have proof of it. No, you, you, you don't need that. It's, it's, it's like with a book. Oh, even, yeah. you're not responsible. They're responsible. Yeah, exactly. You're just getting royalty. Okay. It's really, yeah, like like uh, the money a uh, book publisher gets and author gets. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah, because hmm. obviously the author doesn't have to <laughs> care about each person who, who bought his book. Right. Yeah, which would be a pain. Now, what about how, how much traffic? I mean, this looks like a professional looking site. It looks like there's a lot of stuff happening here. Is Gumroad, does Gumroad get a lot of traffic? Yeah, Gumroad is quite big. So they recently, there was a change in the US where now non-accredited investors were suddenly allowed to invest in early stage startups, something along these lines. 
and they did one of the first crowdfunding campaigns and raised a bunch of money from yeah crowdfunding but also it has a quite complex story because it started as a startup with lots of funding and then almost got shut down everyone was fired except for the founder and he could kept building it and now it's again worth a lot of money <laughs> and <laughs> like angry yeah exactly lots of people yeah. are angry about him uh, yeah because he basically like all these early employees who wrote lots of the code now own zero equity because the company was basically shut down <laughs> at some point and wait so the equity went away like yeah how, I, I, like i'm not re... too familiar with the situation but yeah. um, i know that there was <laughs> quite some backlash um, when he raised money again because i think as long as he was just doing it yeah minding his own business and it was like a bootstrap whatever no one <laughs> got angry but now of course when he raised money yeah, again that's a different story all right huh so what do you think is the right kind of products to sell on Gumroad? Like clearly eBooks, right? I've seen people sell eBooks on Gumroad. Now you say it's not just that because they have subscriptions. What else? I mean, if you were to build, when would you make the decision? I want to sell this on Gumroad and, or I just want to sell on my own, just on my own. Yeah. So to be honest, I don't think there's much value to the marketplace and to the Gumroad marketplace itself. So not a lot of sales are coming through that. So at least... This is also how I'm doing it is I'm just embedding it on my own site, right? I see. So I still have to drive the traffic to my site and they are just handling the uh, payment and not really sales are coming through. But there is, of course, some activity on the marketplace. And it's I, I did some analysis um, back in the days. And yeah, most like the, the most popular products there were all these get rich quick, of course. <laughs> let's call it scams courses whatever <laughs> yeah obviously and but also i doubt that these guys got the traffic mostly from gumroad mark from the gumroad marketplace it was mostly by from twitter or whatever they were selling their stuff and then yeah, just yeah, some kind of going market, through right? some kind, yeah. yeah it's it i mean even even like the founder of gumroad just published a book and he also published it on amazon so yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's telling you quite a lot yeah so, so for you, it's almost just like a payment like, processor. It's that's, exactly. that's like all it is for you. It's a payment processor exactly. for you because then you don't have to deal with that. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's about it. And I, I can actually log in and check one second how much sales I made. The Gumroad How feature. many products do you have on um, there? Don't ask so complex questions. <laughs> Three <laughs> or four or so. Maybe five. Yeah, I'm not sure. I... That's a lot of products. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. For example, one of my product is under the radar and i have i got 15 clicks through gumroad recommended by gumroad made zero sales oh, <laughs> so far sorry, in Jacob. in three months or so <laughs> in the last three months yeah obviously so and it's not because <laughs> so like the conversion rate from other channels is like 30 percent or something I it's see. Yeah. yeah well so it's kind of like you have to have your, it's like people aren't browsing very much on Gumroad. It seems like. No. And if you open the discover page, sources. you will understand why. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a very pleasant experience. Let's look. It's just kind of all <laughs> over. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah if you're, you're going to buy go something, down. this is, this is something where you're going to, you're going to know the person outside of Gumroad and then go to Gumroad to purchase it. Yeah. Yep. I see that. Now, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you said the ones that are selling the best are the get rich schemes, right? And this is a topic that is interesting to me because that right there, I mean, it's the old phrase. I'm not sure if you've heard this phrase, but 
when there's like a gold rush, right? There's the people that are digging for gold and they're trying to make money digging for gold. And then there's the people that are selling the shovels that are making a lot of money. <laughs> and, and that's what's happening here. Like, this is what these are is they're get rich. You know, they make more money selling the shovels than they are doing the gold digging, right? They're not, is, is that, is that just because yeah. you think they, they just have the influence, right? They're just good charismatic people. And so they can package and make things sound pretty and sell the shovel and then make way more money than actually doing the work. Is this ever going to change? Is that always going to be like that, you think? Yeah, of course. And I mean, it's it's a very easy seller. So if you're if you're telling people, okay, if you buy my product for $99, you will $1,000, right? And it's like a no-brainer yeah. for people if they, if they trust the person. So, right. and I'm just looking at the latest numbers I had from Gumroad and they were making 50K or so from their, from their courses on Gumroad. Like it's really crazy. This is like 50K a month? Yeah, monthly revenue. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, and because someone buying, they look at that as an R, the ROI calculation is the simplest thing ever, right? They just say, oh, well, $100 and he promises me I can make 1,000. So easy purchase, right? I could easily purchase that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the title. So one is a course who teaches people how to start an agency, cyber money, stock market combo. Yeah, I, I the, the common theme is they teach you how to make money. <laughs> right. I see one here, the seven-figure starter pack, right? It's Yeah, exactly. It's a featured one. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's kind of, but the thing is, is like, I could see when I first was getting into like entrepreneurship, like forever ago. I saw that, yeah, you can see the attraction in these courses, right? Because you think that these people know what they're talking about. And then if you like start to read more about them, it feels like, oh, this is maybe a little too good to be true. You know, I'm not sure that this is, this probably isn't as easy <laughs> as this person is making it sound. And so I won't buy them anymore. How many people are jaded like that? How many people say, uh, I mean, I'm just wondering, are people getting more educated, you think? And so possibly these, these things will be less valuable or you think never? Never, because there will always be like fresh cohorts coming in. Okay. And so it's just because always the new people coming in, they're the yes. good targets and they're going to make money. Yeah, absolutely. I have zero doubts that this model will always work. I mean, it's been going on since the beginning of the internet, right? So it's now... Probably the beginning of time. Uh, of course, but now like... I mean, that yeah, form, now it's way more prolific. Yes. Uh -huh. like, of course, um, it used to be like mail order, <laughs> direct uh, marketing, like right. TV... TV stuff, infomercials, and now it's, yeah, Twitter, YouTube with Gumroad products at the back. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, and it, it's just that, like the topics are changing. It used, I think the dream that used to be sold was like affiliate marketing, like niche, building mm -hmm. niche sites, of course, selling on Amazon, FBA, dropshipping used to be huge. And they seem to be, of course, they, they still exist and um, going strong in terms of um, people selling courses i'm not sure about like the, the true potential for people doing it but now yeah of course like crypto trading and sneaker right. trading you're seeing this kind of stuff more often it's like the get, it's kind of get rich quick right that's kind of the idea is something that kind of an easier road to success exactly and i mean who doesn't want that <laughs> no who doesn't want that right yeah if ever you're going to want something you're going to want easier right you don't want if you can take an easier path of course you're going to take it yeah it's really funny the real estate 
real estate god is selling the system become your own private equity for $979. Oh man, nice. I feel really bad for people buying that. So, I mean, the, the, the thing always is the same, the, the same question always pops up, right? If you really found that kind of secret hack to make a lot of money with little effort, why would you be giving it away? Right. right. It's, it's so obvious. But of course, people want to believe right. that there is a magic bullet out there and they just have to find it. Now, do you think but do you think they gain any value? Because there's probably some, you know, there's probably some value in those things. Now, the question is because you read them, right? And you probably learn something. Now, it's unlikely you actually achieve the success they're promising, right? They're going to say, OK, bam, you're going to be able to do this. You're going to retire because you're going to make so much money from this. That probably doesn't happen very often. But the question is, do they make $100 or whatever, however much their course is, do they make $100 of value? Do they learn some? Maybe they learn $100 is what they're paying to learn to not buy this again. <laughs> yeah, obviously not a black and white issue. So I think there's a lot of gray in between. And I mean, that's the thing. You, even like the, the genuine guys feel the pressure to overpromise um, because everyone is doing it. Right. And so even if some of the people have valuable content, it's very hard to find them because yeah, everyone is selling yeah. unrealistic dreams. And yeah, I don't think that, that it's all, all, all nonsense, but most of it is most of it, at least in my opinion, is scams. And I know I've talked to many people like smart people who bought one of these courses and ultimately never did much with it. So I really would doubt that there is a positive ROI these products and i mean you can if you really want to go down the rabbit hole you can find all the infos for very cheap or free and oh, yeah, you will always learn better by just doing by just doing stuff and yeah so i i don't know how you are I, i'm i'm a software guy i'm a more of a product builder guy not great at marketing right so seo is kind of foreign to me marketing in general that's definitely my my weaker point it's something i need to learn more now but as you learn more, that's when you stumble. Marketing products are like the number one scam stuff, right? Like SEO courses, or this is like the original, right? This is how you get whatever. Yes. Now, how are your skills, Jacob? Are you, do you feel like you're a marketing god? Or, I mean, is this something you see as well? No, I'm definitely not a marketing god. I wouldn't <laughs> call me a software god either. Um, yes, yeah, so SEO is a, is a very, very fun topic to talk about. And... Yeah, actually, let's, 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 let's talk about it because I, I, I spent a lot of time reading about SEO, doing SEO many years ago, many, many years ago, like 10 plus years ago. So I, I, I have rather strong opinions on the topic. And what's very apparent if you've been in the world for a while is that almost everyone is overcomplicating to profit. So everyone makes things seem much harder than they are because otherwise, how are you going to sell your products, right? It's the same with and the perfect analogy is fitness, working out, right? It's, if you want to get in good shape, it's incredible easy, right? There are really just, I don't know, three things you need to understand and you can learn it and that's, that's about it. And at the same time, there are thousands of thousands. courses. Oh yeah. Like this, you know, this six, pack, so much money six, pack, six pack info uh -huh. products making millions, right? Supplements, yeah. all this, yeah, scammy stuff going on and the same is happening right if you're um, watching these youtubers um taking steroids and then uh, pushing their newest training routine it's exactly the same 
thing in the marketing world going on. And yeah, they don't tell you what you really need to hear and what's really working. So <laughs> just because it's, it's not a good sell, <laughs> the truth. The truth is not a good sell. So, but when you're out there, I mean, you want more marketing for your product, right? You want more for your products. You'd love to have a thousand more visitors or 10 times, right? A hundred X the traffic. I, I'm never tempted by even ones that like some people you feel like are trusted and they have courses or whatever. You're never tempted. You're never like, man, I I need something. I need to get better. I, what do I do here? And I just feel like what you're doing isn't working as well as you hope. So you're never tempted by those SEO or marketing products. Yeah. Like I, even, even, even back in the days, I didn't buy one. So (laughs) rather did a lot of experiments myself and talk to people and this is really helping. (laughs) And, And yeah. So again, I think there are, of course, good courses, no, no doubt. And mm-hmm. there are many layers, but I think for most people, yeah, it's very, it's, it's not as hard as people want you to believe. And you certainly don't need, I don't know, pay $1,000 for a course with 800 yeah. videos. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I see. So if you were saying, let's say someone, I mean, you're not here to give marketing advice. Like you said, you're not a marketing god. But you'd recommend someone just getting into entrepreneurship, let's say they're a software person or not, let's say they get into entrepreneurship, you'd say try to avoid courses. You can learn most of the stuff mostly by doing, right? Find like a, a blog post or video that's free and then experiment to kind of do your own things and see what works. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the best return on investment is usually... Um, found with books, at least in my opinion, right? Because that's the whole point why everyone is doing courses because you can anchor it much higher, right? No one pays a thousand dollars for a book. That's ridiculous. Um, But for a course, it suddenly makes sense. So books are usually a steal and things don't change that often, especially the the good stuff. So there are some fundamental um, principles and Yeah. yeah, I definitely, and this is yeah my whole approach. I'm always trying to stick to books. So, and yeah, when, especially when it comes to uh, marketing, I think Traction is a great book. Yeah, Justin, I mean, it is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, and I mean, it gives you everything you need, right? So, and then you just pick your channels and you, you do your experiments and right. it's, it's not rocket science. And if I would invest a bit more money, I guess I really would rather pay for time with an expert and just to answer my specific okay. question. Like coaching almost, right? Yeah. Coaching is yeah, again, coaching like, is <laughs> yeah. No. So what I've, what I've done a few times is actually I, I did a job post on Upwork and there are many smart people on Upwork and you can pay people, pay people by the hour, right? And you get an hour with an expert for $50 or something like that, yeah. which is incredible. And you yeah. just hop on a call with them and they answer all your questions. So, and I've done it with really technical stuff, machine learning, web scraping. You can do it with anything, really. It's really cool. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea, actually. So then, because then it's less, you're not worried, you don't feel as, as dirty, you know, you're not worried about the course, $50 is even $100 maybe, right, if you feel like it's worth it for an hour. That's not a terrible investment if you're getting, you know, an hour with someone just to like, okay, let's go through the stuff, let's understand what's going on. Yeah, it feels better when you're buying them rather than when they're selling to you a little bit too, huh? Like when you're the one. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's also like with uh, many of the courses, you, you, do, you really don't get access to the expert at all. So it's yeah. often just pre-recorded videos or whatever. And even with these modern cohort based courses, right? You're in a Zoom call with 50 people and then you maybe have 10 seconds to ask one question. 
<laughs> that's about it. Yeah. And again, I think, and you're paying, people are paying thousands of dollars for these course yeah. based courses. I yeah, it gives them the illusion of access to experts, whereas in reality, you can get access to experts much cheaper, just stop over to Upwork, just send them a DM, right? <laughs> so yeah. many people are happy to do, help you for free. And if not, uh, so some people just send you a payment link, which is also perfectly fine, right? Yeah. Much better <laughs> investment. Yeah. So do you think, say, I had a question about this. No, I lost it. I can't remember anymore. Dang it. It was a good one. I was going to say, <laughs> oh, I can't remember Jacob. I did want to bring up, because I've used Airtable a bunch. I saw, I went through your Twitter when you worked through, what was it called? Send, tape. no, no, it wasn't send table. Seat table. See table. Yeah, exactly. Not seat table, but you didn't love it. You liked it. You thought, now you use Airtable and you think it's too buggy. I, I use Airtable. I have a client that uses Airtable and I put data in there. So I'm, I'm on I'm on Airtable because of them. Your thoughts, now Airtable is, I think they just, got valued or raised a bunch of money or anyway they're valued really like a ton right now Airtable is looking is that billions and they're are they in the billions it's, yeah yeah it's in the billions now Airtable, i thought you know again i'm not super good with Airtable. it looks like a spreadsheet a little bit six billion five point seven six billion. billion now why is Airtable <laughs> better than a spreadsheet tell me so i i think there are different factors and obviously i used Airtable instead of a Google spreadsheet. And I've been ha happily paying for it. I'm paying 30 bucks or so per month and I'm very happy. So the UI is much nicer. And um, okay. I think, especially if you want to share data with people. So for example, like if you're if, saying, yeah, but also if you just want to give someone access to data, right. And you just send them a Google sheet and then they want to filter, for example, right. They want to, you give them a list of products sold on Gumroad. And they are just interested in products sold in the software category. So they don't see all the shady stuff because like the stuff in the software category is not as shady. Right. So how, how do you do that in Google Sheets? It's like four clicks or so. It's quite awkward. You have to go to yeah. filters and then click around and then it gets deleted. You have to save your view. It's, it's a hassle. Whereas in Airtable, it's very intuitive, right? You have at the top of the row, you can just click on the name and then filter and it just works it's perfect that's that's so, a... but that's so but you sound like right now you're like you're loving air table but in your tweet you're talking about let's see when was this this is a month ago you were talking about c table is it c table or a seat it's, it's C-table. yeah actually you have it in the in the in the sheet also the tweet in, in our docs yeah 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 that's where i went to is that tweet on there huh i followed that twitter from the docs. seat table was a t c uh c table but, okay but the, yeah yeah <laughs> there's only one <laughs> c table so now, and this makes it sound like you're not that excited about Airtable, but you are. Oh, Airtable more than this makes it sound. Yeah, again, there are two limitations I really don't like about Airtable. And I've been looking for an alternative for months now and nothing, nothing fits my bill so far. So what do you mean? The row, the row limit. Is that the big one? Yeah, the big that's problems? a big one. Yeah. Yeah, a big, a big problem is that they have a, a strict row limit of 50,000 50, rows. And you, you simply can't do anything with Airtable if you have more rows. And, that, and that's per 50,000 records per base is what it is? Yeah, exactly. I've said this before too. Okay. And, and then you can just create new bases, right? But that kind of sucks if it's the same chunk of data. Like if you exactly. have just one set of data that has, especially for data people like you and I, 50,000 rows is nothing, right? It's, we not, do that, it's, not, it's, it's nothing, yeah. So an enterprise, they have only 100,000. I wonder why. Is it just so they can be quicker, you think? You think it's... 
I mean, I, I, I'm saying I, that I, I'm very puzzled. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually, so what's really strange is almost all competitors have the same limitation or an even lower one, though they have like 20,000 or something, which is really crazy to me. I have no idea why they are doing it. So because um, speed, a product, yeah, I mean, I think they're worried about the user experience. But you can just lazy load the data, right? What everyone is doing. So you think, if, you're, if you're filtering, right? If you're trying to do filters you, or whatever on a million You rows, can do it lazy. It's, it's, it's the trivial. Two, Jacob, let's build it. No, build I mean, this is what everyone is doing. If you're going to any website with huge amounts of data, go to Crunchbase, PitchBook, or Jungle Scout, yes. right? They have millions right. um, of, of entries in their databases and it's not a problem. They are just not yeah. loading everything at once, but a thousand pieces or whatever at a time. And then when people filter or sort or whatever, then new data gets pulled in from the database. It's on demand. Right. And I see no reason why you couldn't do it. But yeah, it's very, very weird that no one is actually doing it. Yeah. I, and like, this is, this is a big one. And the second not so big one is that the CSV import is incredibly buggy. <laughs> so if you try to get data into Airtable, the way I'm doing it is by just uploading a CSV often. And... It's, it's so buggy. It crashes, it stops working, data gets lost, and then it hangs and you have to cut it. And at, there's a limit of at most five MB. So you have to chunk your data before you can upload it. Wait, it has to be five megabytes or less? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's... It, it's really awkward, yeah. I mean, you could, it, it, the only option, like it's, you have to build a script, right? You could just build a script and via their API. Exactly. All oh, that. This yeah. is why I said it's not as big of an issue because they, the API is quite good. So it has some, yeah, quirky features, but overall it's, it's functional, <laughs> unlike the CSV import. So I, I could live with that, but I can't live with a, with a 50K row limit. And I actually reached out Airtable to the support because they obviously have at least a 100K limit for enterprise customers. And I was asking, is there any way I can get this, even though I'm not an enterprise. And right. they said no. So I'm very surprised because usually if you reach out to a startup or company and just ask for stuff, and I would even pay for it, right? That's not the issue. Um, yeah. But they said no, it's only for enterprise. And enterprise means at least seven seats or something like that. So, man, that's a uh, thousand. I mean, even a hundred thousand records. I have database. We have. I'm sure we both have tons of databases with way more than a hundred thousand records. Like that is not enough for a lot of things. Yeah. And this is why I got excited about Ctable because Ctable has no, no role in it. And they imported CSVs really easily, but they had some kind of bug, right? And it's not fixed yet, it looks like. You probably There's come back one bug. There is one bug. And also they don't allow CSV exports, which is super strange. So because I think this is also another cool or important feature, kind of important feature that if you want to share data with people that they can actually download it, right? In yeah. they though they can use it in their own workflow, upload it to Excel, Google Sheets, whatever they are using. Right. And no, they, they, they don't they don't have that. They have only Excel. Only excellent, yeah. which is super strange. Yeah. And I even asked about it. And someone else asked about I it. And they don't have it on their on their said, no plan, even is the crazy thing. Like, I would have thought you would go CSV first. Exactly. It's like, it's far more far easier. It's it's <laughs> there are I standard mean, libraries you can use. That's the standard, right? CSV is the one that's gonna work in any it's gonna work anywhere. And yeah, and then Excel is something you add after. That's that's an, that's what I would do anyway. I would be CSV first, because anyone can import it into Excel after, but Trying to go back the other way is a lot more tricky, a lot more difficult. 
yeah, so I think there there might be an opportunity here, and it's actually because I've I've looked at all the products, really, all of them, and I've asked everywhere, everyone, <laughs> and currently the only solution really is to build your own interface. You you have to do it, and the way uh, people are doing it, and I'm also I'm doing it. Your your component library, something for Vue or React or whatever your favorite is, and then you just build your own table and implement your own filters and everyone is doing it, which is kind of crazy, right? Because everyone is reinventing the wheel. And <laughs> yeah, that tells you right there when everyone's building their own thing, that tells you that's a good opportunity right there. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are so, so many players in the, in the space. It's especially now that Airtable is so popular, right? Of course, there are lots of, lots of copycats and still no, not one of them. Um, fits the bill. And They're I mean, there is also, there's also like an older, an older world of products along the same lines. And these, these are these grid or table libraries for JavaScript. I'm not sure if you have heard of them, but Tools the biggest probably. one, yeah, exactly. It's a big open source one, AG grid, hands on table. And mm -hmm. yeah, they are also going really strong. I saw a post on Indie Hackers um, that hands on tables is making millions a year apparently in revenue. Uh -huh. And it's really just a JavaScript library, it's, which allows you to build nice looking tables. It's not open source. It, I don't want to say something wrong, but I think it was, and then they switched and there was quite a few similar stories for these libraries that they started as open source. It's still open source, but there's, there's always a catch. What's the catch here? It looks, it's interesting to me building these components and then selling the components. Like you're selling code, like literally just a chunk of code, a component, like, yeah. And a pro having a successful model around that is interesting to me because you think people could just take the code once you get it, right? Because essentially you're going to get the code when you, you're going to take the snippet or something, right? And then be, you can customize it. If they can pull this off correctly, maybe it's just worth it, right? It's just like, well, then we don't have to worry about support. We don't have to worry about bugs. Paying five hundred or six hundred dollars a year is worth it to us. Exactly right. That's the catch here, um, or at least one catch that it's free for non-commercial use, and for commercial use, you have to pay six hundred. Oh, it is okay. So it's free for non-commercial. Yeah. So and this kind of thing, I think of it like I worked at Lenovo before here or before I quit. Anyway, we would have bought this in a second, right? If it solved our itch, six hundred dollars a year, that would no no problem. Eight hundred dollars a year would have been peanuts. Easy. Developer, so oh, that's maybe true. That's that. true. Honestly, that, that made it would have made it maybe made it worse. Yeah, that's kind of interesting when they build per developer because it just encourages people to be like, okay, well, we're just going to share the key. <laughs> like, why do we, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, not sure how they are going to enforce this or anything. But again, I've yeah. actually played around with most of these libraries, and it turns out that you still have to do a lot manually. So like even trivial stuff is, or almost trivial stuff is not working out of the box and you still have to do it manually. And I was really puzzled why people are then paying for these <laughs> very expensive pieces of software because yeah, then I can just build my own data table with, I don't know, PrimeView or one of the big um, React libraries. And it's really not more work. So because for example, in the biggest player is AG Grid. And if you want to have a Table, a column with dates in there. And then naturally you want to be that people are able to sort it date before, date after. You actually right. have to implement that manually. So, because they're just going to sort it by string, right? Yeah, exactly. And this yeah. is like the, the most obvious feature you should have if you're selling a, a data table, at least in my mind. Yeah, date, you're pretty much always sorting by date in there. And so, so what happens is you have to go through and convert the dates 
and then kind of build your own custom little sort thing. Yeah, you have to you have to implement a custom function in JavaScript and then connect it to your table. Yeah, it's it's kind of awkward, and I've I've done it, and it's a lot of manual work, and ultimately, yeah, it, it's even yeah. I think even less work if you're just using or if you're just doing it for scratch um, from scratch or uh, almost from scratch because so at least then you know what's going on. Like there's someone to, what you, I mean, ultimately where we came from is Airtable, like someone to do Airtable right. Even if there's tons of competition, clearly with the row limit, they're not doing it right. Yeah, there, there are already many copycats, so I'm not sure. And maybe I'm just weird, right? Because <laughs> I don't know how many people like me are out there and maybe everyone else is happy with existing solutions. So one is no code DB is, is one competitor. What are the others called? I, I keep forgetting their names, but there are really a lot of them. And yeah, for you at least. Oh yeah, that's that's a related, actually a related story. Is not really an alternative. Yeah, this looks like a different thing. <laughs> uh, huh? Coda, uh, base row is another one. Base row actually looks cool. Base row is an open source alternative to Airtable, and they don't have a, uh. a row limit, but and there's a <laughs> big but is you can't share views. So like oh, if you want to yeah. give people public access to your database, it's currently not working. So and they told me it's on the roadmap, but as it is currently, it's not. A, but it, it, it really looks there. like the best. It looks like the best Alternative. option so far. Yeah. So and when you're sharing I, views, is that is that for customers? Like you say, okay, like you yeah, give them access for example. to a specific one for them, right? It makes it really easier yeah. for them. So Airtable, you say, okay, they're paying you to aggregate data for the gum road stuff or whatever. And then you just say, okay, here you go. Here's your view. And it's all just their stuff specific to them. And you only share with their credentials, right? And that's how you make sure they can get only they have access. Well, it's not so easy with Airtable. <laughs> and this is exactly where these other products I, I, I put in the um, doc come in. Um, Paytable, for example, is a solution specifically to this problem. And yeah, the way it works is that you, it's, 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 it's another middleman in between Airtable, Gumroad, and your customers, because usually what you're doing, you, if, if, if you're sharing just the, the, the Airtable link with people, they have it forever, right? And you can't sell a subscription this way because yeah. <laughs> why would they keep paying if they already have the link? And I mean, there are workarounds um, you can, of course, just create a new link every month and send it out again, which is kind of awkward. And so you just like trash the old one and make a new one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, Joel, the guy who built Paytable, basically built a solution. So it's it's just connecting your customer database, with which lives in Gumroad or Stripe or whatever you're using, and then adds it to your Airtable base and keeps, keeps these two in sync. And it's actually built with, with no-code tools. It's, it's kind of cool, quite cool, quite a cool story. Mm. And he's just solving this one problem, making it easier to sell data products and solve this problem. But yeah, no, with Baserow, there is no option to share your database with outsiders at all in a proper way. So at least from it's my understanding. So it's not a good fit for my use case. So on Paytable, they're expecting, it says transaction fees. So you're expecting customers to pay through Paytable. Right. Right. Okay. Because I sell, I mean, a lot of time with web scraping, I think we've, the best thing is data, right? Selling the data is the, the most valuable thing. It's not very fun to sell the software. That's a pain. <laughs> but selling the data is great because you can get continuous data. You can get recurring revenue from it. 
but I, my customers already, I already have subscriptions set up in Stripe. I, I wonder if this would be helpful. Would this be helpful for me to use something like Paytable where I can say, okay, I can keep the data in Airtable for them. They can go and access it anytime, the historical stuff, all the new stuff will get uploaded there. And then I could just make them something with Paytable so that only they have access to this specific thing. Would that be, was this the right use case for Paytable? I don't think so. It's really no. for, 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 yeah, for like, like the example, uh, me selling Gumroad data, right? Yeah. And I have many, many customers and they, yeah, instead of then just sending them the link directly, it's handled by Paytable, access control. I mean, I literally, I just send, I send CSVs or Excel sheets to them. Like I said, I just email them the file and then they can okay. handle it as much as they want. But it might be a value, it, you know, it could be value for them to never have to manage that anymore. They can go in there and say, okay, bam, the data is all here. I just keep adding to it for them every day or once a month or whatever. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. And the, 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 if it's just a one, one-time thing, obviously it doesn't make sense, right? If you're, right, okay, um, I will get this kind of data for you. Here it is, case closed. But if, if, you're, if you're having, yeah, like a recurring revenue model, like I said, and it, it probably makes sense to have some access control because why would people keep paying? Well, a lot of times I add, yeah, yeah, you had to, uh, to have access control, right? Otherwise, or that link. And that's yeah, what pay, but, table, pay table is supposed to help with the access control though, right? Yeah, but if you have just one customer and you're doing like, yeah, tailor-made stuff, then again, it doesn't make any sense because obviously if the yeah. customer stops paying, you just stop updating and there's no reason. It's, it, 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 yeah. it only makes sense if you're selling the same product to many people, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, and the, the other story here is true. And I've actually talked to the founders yesterday and they reached out to me. So, and because they are also trying to solve while they're living in the same idea maze, so making it easier for people to sell data products because. Wait, well, who um, is True Source? I see a bunch of different True Source websites when I'm searching here. It's not. Oh, yeah. .io. Uh, and they actually want to, they want to actually do more than Paytable. So, because they also want to replace Airtable. So you're no longer just plugging in your Airtable base, but actually uploading the data directly to TrueSource. And they handle payment and the complete front end for you. So you really just connect your data, upload your CSV, whatever, how you handle it. And yeah, they handle all the rest. You can just sell it. And that's, that's the idea. It, it's, it's not finished yet. They are still in closed beta. Huh. And this is very uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it looks like, are they going to be a marketplace then? I mean, I see this, this screenshot on their front page. As far as I understand it, like everyone gets, gets their own product page. So, oh, I see. So it, you're like a private label. You're white labeling it under the exactly. hood, right? It's exactly. true source, but you put your data in there and no one really knows anything about true source. Yes. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. It, it would make sense. And yeah, you're actually selling your product through them. They handle like access control, but also really like the complete front end, like all the filtering, how data is shown, which currently is handled, for example, by our table. Hmm. This is really interesting. I'm probably, I'm going to join their waitlist right now. Here, here we go. <laughs> I want to be on their waitlist. So have you, have you joined their waitlist? How did they get contacted with you or connected with you? Yeah, they reached out on Twitter, I think, or sent me an, and also sent me an email. Um, just, just asked me for feedback on, on, on the so idea. You got it? Oh, on the no, idea. I haven't. I wanted you to. I wanted the insider information. Yeah, but I, I guess I can't give you all the inside information. It's not really a secret. <laughs> yeah, and that's also what I told them. There are currently two puzzle pieces missing, at least for me. 
So yeah. the one puzzle piece is they currently don't have an API. And oh, <laughs> that's kind of important. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. because I, I also told them I don't want to upload a new CSV every day. <laughs> no, it would be a deal breaker for me. Exactly. And the second one is like with a payment processor, because yeah, there are people like me out there who don't want to use Stripe directly, but rather use yeah. a wrapper like Paddle or Gumroad, because I don't want to deal with taxes, um, with, with yeah. sales taxes. So yeah, I told, told them that and they promised me to work on that. So let's see. Let's see if they'll deliver. Let's see if they care about Jacob enough to go yes. and build out that. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're exactly. important parts. The API is a big deal to me. Now the wrapper, so service products in the United States typically aren't sales tax. There's no sales tax on it, right? It's like, if it's a service. Now, is that different in the... Yeah, and if you have customers in Europe, um, you still have to deal with it. Like I said, you, yeah. if you don't want to right. deal with it, you either have to take care of it or exclude customers from Europe. Or you just go under the radar. <laughs> exactly. And never travel right. to Europe. Then it probably and will that, work. That's right. You're not welcome in Europe anymore, but... Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That looks cool. True Source looks awesome. I hope they... I want to talk to them and see what they say. How long? Did they say how long before they can release? They told me the API will be ready in one or two weeks. So let's see. Oh, okay. They really? So they're cruising. They're building fast then. Yeah. And I think they raised also a bunch of money. So they are serious about it. It's not just some hobby project. So yeah, hopefully. Because it's, I mean, I have no problem building a front end for myself, um, for my product, but it's quite, quite, quite the hassle to, if you want to change things, right? Every time you yeah. want to add a column, remove a column, change how certain things work, you have to dive back into the code, recompile it and do go through all the motions. Whereas for example, in Airtable, it's just, Two clicks or one. Yeah. Do you have most? Do you most of your customers go that way? So, like I said, I always deliver my data only. I just send the file, right? That's how I do. I, except for one, I have one that art was already on Airtable, and they preferred their data in there. So it's their Airtable database, and I just connect to their API and upload the data that way. Uh, so do you do you always use something like Airtable, or I mean, your customers? Is that kind of just how? You no, for my one of my products, I I was using. I, I built something myself for newsletters by. I mm -hmm. built a complete front end for my, uh, yeah. myself with filters and lazy loading from the, yeah. from the back end. <laughs> yeah. And I had to do it because there are obviously more than 50,000 newsletters in the database. I mean, there are 50,000 Substack newsletters alone. And I also have like other <laughs> newsletters in there. So yeah, yeah. Airtable was not an, not an option and I built it myself. And yeah, also for under the radar, um, which is also kind of a data product, but or started as a data product. I also built something myself. So I really started with Airtable products. My first ones were always Airtable, but now I've kind of moved on. So <laughs> let's see if I if I ever get back or eventually start just stay, uh, stick to my my custom front end. So if you had a data product, if you're building another one today, you're like, okay, bam, I got a new product. Would you put it on Airtable or would you build the, build the front end yourself? Yeah, I guess it really depends on the number of rows. If it's less than 50, let's say it's less than 50,000 rows. Yeah, I think I would use Airtable just because okay. I'm. I, it would be much quicker. And especially like for the first version, just to test the water. And mm -hmm. if, it, if it gets really popular, I probably would, of course, then, yeah, iterate and, and actually access. invest the time. Like how do you, um, like you said, you know, you can share it with them, but how do you make sure they still for paying or would you do like a one-time fee? I... I would either use Paytable or try to validate the idea just with a one-time payment. 
Yeah. Okay. So eventually you'd probably have to do something. And so, but initially you'd say, okay, whatever, just get one-time payment. Now, once that you're just sharing a link essentially, right? Right. So are you worried about people just sharing the link with their friends? Absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry. Not- no, not at all. Because so you don't I care mean- if they do that. If they share it, the market's big enough. It doesn't matter. And I mean, it, you, you can't really prevent it from happening because also if you're having a login, they yeah. can just share the login. What are you going to do about it? So it's... I, see. it's, I like that. You're not going to... You're like, I know it may happen. I'm not going to fight it. It's just not... It's not worth it to you. No, it, it's... No, it's, it's it's a fight you can't win. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. that. That's a good attitude. I feel like a lot of times people really get mad and try to... They spend so much time trying to prevent things that they're yeah. not enforceable. And so you just... Why? That's true. Yeah, now we really haven't talked about much about any of your ideas. I think I only put, well, I wanted to say, I mean, it's all web scraping stuff. I feel like this has been fun anyway. We're talking a lot of web scraping data stuff and that's always, I've been having. Yeah, um, perfect. Yeah, this right here, you know, I was thinking like, as I was thinking about ideas to put on there, I had this question of like, at what point do you put it on? I mean, we're talking about ideas that we feel like are, oh, good ideas, right? This is good places for people to get into. And it made me think, well, at what point do you look at someone and say they're a success, you know, because someone could have like 10,000 MRR that could be making money, but they could be negative, right? Because they're only making that money because they're spending a lot in ads to get the people. So does that make that a successful business? Is that something mean it's a good idea just because they're revenue? I guess it depends on the nature of the business, because um, I think in when it comes to SaaS, to software, to recurring this kind of calculation can make a lot of sense, right? You, it can yes. make a lot of sense to spend, yeah, to not make a profit because as long as lifetime value of each customer is higher than the CAC, the yeah. customer acquisition cost, right? and obviously, yeah. I know, of course, uh, with your background from the e-commerce work world, this is uh, somewhat a big of a problem where people, yeah, just boasting about their revenue numbers, but <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't mean anything. Sales, if right? If your ads stop, your sales stop, but you're saying with, this, a SaaS model with recurring revenue, it's not as scary because if you stop paying your, if you stop doing ads right now, those subscriptions will hopefully continue at least for exactly. you know, six months, maybe a year. And so you're getting more, a bunch more money out of it. Yeah. So that's why MR, MRR is just such a good metric compared to just revenue. Yeah. But, but still yeah, not perfect. And I really wish people would talk more about profit. So. Yeah. And they don't. And, and a lot of that could be because, yeah, I don't know. In the e-commerce world, it was ridiculous that they didn't talk about profit because that was really the metric that really mattered, right? You could spend a lot of money getting sales and make no money. Yeah, <laughs> right. Money. Sell, yeah. sell $2 for $1. So it's... Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's an easy way to boost your revenue. So <laughs> Right. Uh, I can sell anything. tons of stuff. Okay, <laughs> you know if I have unlimited money to dump it in marketing, but with the subscription stuff, maybe it's not as important to say profit. It, it would be nice, but maybe it's not as important. I think at least it's like my, my degrees in accounting and there's gross profit, right? Which I think should include your marketing costs. But I, I think with SaaS, it almost, you could almost, I almost, you almost need a different metric. You almost need your profit just based on operating expenses. Like how much servers are, how much you paying customer support to, ma- how, to maintain the business. What's your profit? after those expenses and not the marketing ones, right? Because you can take the marketing ones out and that and the revenue should continue. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I think that's, that's a science in itself. So <laughs> SAS metrics. Yeah. So yes, people, I agree. Yes. People get very passionate about it and yeah, 
obviously it makes sense to talk about CAC and LTV. And I'm not that big of a fan, at least at my current stage of looking or staring at the numbers too much. Rather, you know when things go right and you do, you, <laughs> I don't need to, do, to, to, to dive deep into the numbers to know what's going on, to be honest. So yeah. at least, yeah, for my simple product, it's, it's quite easy. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I call successful and motivates me to move on. So is there any cool idea you, you maybe have in mind where you think this could work, but I don't have the time for it. So I'm always curious. You know, I, right now, my main product I'm focusing on is the Secretary of State API, which is that API that's based around, because there's all this business data with every single state and you can't get it easily. It's just crappy. The user interface is crappy and to get it via API is, is hard. It doesn't exist, right? I think there's maybe one other person that's doing it and and they don't do the exact same. Anyway, but I kind of think I've also done a lot of work in real estate with real estate investors and they buy properties that are distressed a lot of times, right? So what, what that works is like, you know, they see someone's back on taxes. They haven't paid their property taxes for three years. And these are people that are perfect for them because they'll call them and say, hey, we'll pay the taxes and we'll buy the property. And a lot of times this is a good scenario for the owner because they can't get out of the house because they owe these taxes. They can't sell it. And, they, and it's very stressful for them. And so it's a really good opportunity for them. Anyway, so I think my next step might be to build the same kind of API, but for all of the county. So every single county, and there's a state, and then there's the counties inside there. Do you have counties? In Germany, you have counties, some kind of province, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, do you? What are they called? Are they called? I'm just curious. Bundesländer. Okay, but it's like a county, right? Same idea. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, and so those are the ones that typically have all the property data. They, they assess the property. Anyway, there's all this information, but it's all on clunky, outdated databases and systems and UIs for every single different county. So I think to have an API that could tie all those together would be super valuable. I kind of want to build the same thing I have, but for all of the, now there's like 3000, so it would be a nightmare. And I don't know exactly how I do it. I started it, but I think the value there, because then in any investor, anyone that's looking to buy property, if you could just query all that data, like instantly, that would be very, very valuable. Yeah, totally agree. That's a, that's an amazing idea. And funny, funny, funny story. I, <laughs> I own the domain abandonedassets.io, which is, <laughs> yeah, and I bought it a while ago. I had a similar idea, but for digital real estate, let's say. <laughs> Wait, like domain names? No, no, websites. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, because I think it happens often, very, very often that people start a project, see little traction, and then it just fizzles out, right? Yeah. And there is an opportunity for someone with fresh ideas or yeah, oftentimes projects are started by a developer or as a side project and they don't know a lot about marketing and then they build a functional product but yeah it just fizzles out after maybe posting it on product hunt or whatever and yeah, yeah there is there is a somewhat similar scenario right they no longer really care about the product but someone it, it might be worth something to another person so if you can actually find these abandoned digital assets here yeah, uh, find data on them so people can reach out so uh, one example of this is uh, like it's not just websites it's also newsletters for example and a friend of mine stefan used my product uh, newsletters by to to do just that for newsletters so it's it's a database of newsletters and especially for Substack newsletters you could also see or you can still see when they published the last edition so obviously if someone hadn't published a new post in a while that's an a clear sign that they 
are no longer that interested in that project. So if you then come in, hey, how about I give you $5,000 for you or for a newsletter, that could be a win-win, right? And they're not, they're not maintaining it. And then you get a lot of value because you get all of a sudden all these subscribers. Exactly. Um, huh. That's really cool. That's a really cool idea. Now, now you were doing, you wanted to do this with abandonedassets.io, but you didn't end up doing it. Dude, your abandoned assets site. Is it an abandoned asset? <laughs> no, it isn't. I, 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 I'm, I'm working on it. So it's, okay. it's, it's work in progress. And I have a few ideas. And I think I will settle down on three categories to start with. And one is software, SaaS products. The other one is content sites. And the third one is newsletters. And then let's just see if, 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 there's, if people find value in it. And yeah. it's, it's, of course, not an easy problem because you're you have to find a way to identify abandoned assets, right? So for, yeah. for newsletters, it's, it's kind easy. of easy or... Easier, yeah. right? You see, are they still sending newsletters? Exactly. And yeah, yeah but there, I think there are a few, few tricks or at least I'm exploring to identify abandoned assets in different, different categories. And is, once, is it a secret? Because I'm curious, how are you going to find out? Yeah, it's not a secret. I mean, for example, if it's a content site, right? Someone built a niche site just to put affiliate links to Amazon on there. And obviously, mm -hmm. if, the, if the dates are all outdated, that's it's the yeah. same story. Easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not. I think there are now plugins people are using to automatically update the dates because it's also kind of a ranking system, uh, signal for people. Right think that it is that if you if, if you're signaling to google that this content is fresh it ranks better so of course there are wordpress plugins people are using it yeah. always seems fresh and yeah but still so i think you have to be a bit more clever probably and i'm i'm just doing experiments and trying to find out if i can yeah really help people find valuable abandoned assets or not and if i am then i definitely will launch it so and then I think, what about the other one? You, you even mentioned Product Hunt, which is the software side. I mean, could you even look at like Product Hunt launches from like a year ago, ones that had less than like 15 votes or something, and then kind of seeing, does that domain still exist? Yeah, you're reading my mind. <laughs> okay, um, so that's like the path you um, take, yeah. Yeah, and um, actually, so as, a, as a step towards this event, the assets project, because I already have like newsletters by, and within newsletters by, I have all the newsletter data that I need for the newsletter part of this project. And yep. now I'm doing kind of the same for the, the, the software part, right? So mm -hmm. I, I've, I've, uh, and, and then I, will, I want to do like the third part and then like the bundle is abandoned assets, which is a certain subset of them, where I'm just picking the abandoned signals out of these databases, which include all the data active and that. That's kind of the idea I'm having. So do you see it as a two-sided marketplace? Like you're going to have the one that, the, the, the person that abandoned the asset list their product, or maybe you list it for them or whatever, and then someone else buys it. And then you take a transaction fee. No, 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 no. There are already enough marketplaces i mean there's flipper obviously and micro acquire yeah. and no the it's rather are, yeah go ahead no continue yeah it's it's rather all about finding off-market deals that's the value so but again are you, are you charging for the data then how yes. are you where, where are you making money here okay but you're not buying these sites right you're gonna sell like it's almost like you need your own newsletter right and then you could list you could send out i mean honestly right where it says hey Look at these awesome opportunities. You know, you're looking for a project because Indie Hackers is full of people that are looking for their project. And then you could say, hey, look, here's 10 featured abandoned assets today. All these are, you know, this thing got to number 
15 on probably 15 votes on product hunt this newsletter had 5,000 subscribers and now and there's value there right there exactly and yeah how that's you the make, idea how, how do you make your money though you're selling access to the complete database okay okay so you maybe send you'll send out like you let's say you had a newsletter. highlights you send out your newsletter mm -hmm, and you highlight and you say hey if you want access to this you don't tell what it is then they have to pay to the data for the database right or whatever yeah, I, I mean, the idea rather would be to use a newsletter to highlight five interesting finds. Okay. And then like share everything about the them. Brand. Yeah, yeah. But if you want access to the full database, you can pay some money. There you go. That's a good idea. Now, are you worried about one-time purchases? Because that's going to be tough to get monthly recurring revenue there because once, uh, maybe, right? It depends. Some people are going to be serial people that are buying and using these things. But if it's like someone like me, I'd be like, huh, I'm looking for my next product. I'm looking right. So I'm going to buy, oh, I found this one. I'm going to buy it. Now I'm going to work on it for a while. I'm probably not going to pay monthly anymore because now I'm working on this product. That's exactly the issue. Yeah. We talked about with yeah. all the data products and also yeah. distressed uh, real estate. Same story, right? Of course, you will have professional buyers who do this regularly, but also people mm -hmm. who just want to buy yeah, one, one, uh, one house, yeah. one property. Exactly. Yeah. And same story, I guess. Right. Still, that sounds really interesting. That's a really cool idea. That's a really good use of data and a clever use of data. I'm excited to see it. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not sure how big the potential here really is, but it's also, to be honest, not too hard of a project, right? So because yeah. especially I already have almost all that and mm -hmm. it's it's just then a matter of adding a little extra on top of that, some, some new type of enrichment that uh, signals abandonment and that's about it, right? So yeah. And I think the most important question is, Jacob, are you going to put it on Airtable? Well, obviously not, because <laughs> it's, it's far too many. Way more than 50,000 rows, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. That <laughs> won't be an issue. So I will probably use just my, my own little interface that I built for newsletters by and just use yeah. it again. That's cool. That sounds awesome. Perfect. Okay. I think we are uh, quite a lot. We're over time, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how do you edit this? I, I feel like uh, that's a lot of work for you to edit or whatever. I don't know how you do this. Maybe you won't edit it. And that's fine too. No, I use a tool called Descript. I know it's, Descript. I have Descript. It's magic. So what do you say? I, it's a I lot of work. Use, I, will, I, I just use it for the transcriptions. I don't do anything else. I just dump yeah. in my videos I, and I get the transcriptions out and that's all I do with it. Yeah. I think like removing silence and ums and is a great feature, right? So, it does it automatically? Yes, it does. Shut up. It does? It does. That and pretty awesome. And I mean, you can edit audio and video like you edit text. So yeah, that is so much faster. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just a matter of reading the transcript and removing all the silly parts or the parts where we were revealing all the secrets. So or, <laughs> yeah, talking bad about people now. No, I, I usually don't edit, don't do a lot of editing, but yeah, like the basics, removing yeah. silence and cutting a little bit where it makes sense. So now I have to look back at it. I have a subscription to the script even. <laughs> I've only used it for, but it'll do it for video too. Like it'll just cut out yes. dead space and ums and videos. Yes. Oh man, I should have been using this a long time ago. Dang it. So if you enjoyed this conversation, please let us know on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Greenfield. Jordan is George B. Hansen. And yeah, any kinds of thoughts and comments, please share them with us. Speak soon. Bye-bye.